Hey everyone, my name is Sampa the Great. My hip hop is being your full spectrum and range of who you are. Hip hop is not just one thing, it's many. And so are you as a spirit, as a soul. And hip hop has helped and healed me into being able to express myself in the full total range and accept myself for who I am. That's my hip hop. This is Radio Freedom. If you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. Come on! Listen, listen! Planet Earth, Planet Rap. Planet Earth, Planet Rap. Planet Earth, Planet Rap. The only segment showing station in the hip hop world playing the hip hop world. In the hip hop world playing the hip hop world. With Nico and I'm Kilwa. Hello and welcome to the penultimate episode of the PEPR Virtual World Tour series, which we've been a part of for quite a while now. My name is Amkelwa Mbigeni Kapane. Yes, absolutely. My name is Nick. And, and yeah, for the duration of this spring of 2022, we've been having this great opportunity to speak some of our favorite uh, artists. And, and I'm just so happy about the, the, the list of artists that we've been able to talk to. I think it's been really incredible actually yeah it is quite a list very illustrious we spoke to Loki to Major One from Singapore Malaysia yes yes Canada and we have we were talking to Promo from Loop Troop Rockers in Sweden he's a really amazing artist you who can we've come a long way with yes you can Black Rock from South Africa now in Spain yes absolutely Cynic, uh, Cynic. from Zim now in Lisbon. Yeah, everybody is now in somewhere. But Kamau <laughs> is from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I think he's in Sao he's Paulo. He's still in Brazil. Sao Paulo. <laughs> it's been really great to just get some insight into the artists themselves. You know, oftentimes we really just get to know their work, we interact with their work, and, 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 and not get the opportunity to actually speak to the artists themselves. So this was really great. Yeah, and today in this particular episode, we are talking somebody who was somewhere else, but now she's back. Uh, you know, of course, multi-local. Like, it was a really great interview. Sampa, well. yes. Sampa the Great, originally from Zambia and Botswana, and of course based in Australia once upon a time, and 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 now back in Zambia. Now back in Zambia, and between Zambia and Botswana, and we caught her when she was uh, visiting her parents yes. in in Habarona in Botswana. H- happens to be my old uh, hometown as well for a brief <laughs> spell, you know, uh, year, one year or so. Uh, so that's always nice, but. Um, but it was a really great interview and I think that we really caught her in the eye of the storm in that sense that that she, where she's coming from like a one month of North American tour Coachella all of that stuff she's got a new song out with Denzel Curry and she is featured her song Energy is featured on um this Netflix show Ozark, which is uh, is a big thing. I, I haven't watched it, but it's a big thing. I think it's a big thing when your song is featured on any popular production on Netflix or anywhere else for that matter. So she's really doing great. She's done great work and she's had a very busy, busy time post-pandemic. I don't know if we are, we can say post-pandemic, but yeah, you know, now that people can move around, she's been able to tour and do so much work. So you, you'll get to hear more about this in the this episode of the conversations um, series and of our virtual world tour. Absolutely, yes. Up next for her, there is also Sydney Opera House for two nights. So, now no no small feat that either. You can find these episodes, uh, this whole series in its entirety, from anywhere and everywhere where you can listen to podcasts from. And also, the visuals are exclusively for now on uh, Rap Station app, which you can get from RSTV. Uh, app.com that's where you can find it and get to your device yes so thank you for joining us and please do enjoy the ride with Sampa the Great here on PEPR Virtual World Tour Series I think my body forgot how hectic touring can be I was just like oh I'm tired. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially after hibernating during COVID. 
right oh my gosh like two years of nothing two years of just you know you yourself your thoughts your music and then all of a sudden it's like go in a different city every night performing every night no sleep coachella nice <laughs> <laughs> But it's been good. <laughs> it sounds amazing, but exhausting. I'm thinking to myself, how are you doing this? How are you even having a, a moment to talk to people? <laughs> well, we take breaks like this. It's been a week of, of just like rest, which is good before we step into the next tour. So these breaks really, really help. And where whereabouts are you now at the moment? Right now I'm in Botswana. So mm -hmm. we came back to Zambia and I just flew over to Botswana to see my parents. And then I think next week we're in Australia. Oh, my God. Let, let's, uh, let's have a quick sort of like, let, let's place you at the moment. So last month you've been doing North American tour. It seemed like a great success. It seemed like you really like had a nice time plus audience as well. Coachella was part of it. You have a new song out with uh, Denzel Curry. The music video is out now. Is it? Is it's out now? Yeah, it's out. Your song "Energy" was just on a very, very popular Netflix show, Ozark, mm -hmm. and uh, later on this month you're going to be performing few nights, no less than in the Sydney Opera House. Not bad. <laughs> no wonder you're exhausted. Hey, it's not too shabby. <laughs> <laughs> Not too shabby at all. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us, what's it been like, this turbulent time, whirlwind-like? I think because we missed it so much that once it started happening, it was like, yes, we get to do this again. Um, obviously, tour exhaustion kicks in after the excitement where you're like, oh, I haven't slept. And, you know, you sort of deal with that in knowing there'll be a different audience that has never been introduced to you before. And you want to bring the same energy as you've done, you know, in your last shows and, and being really mindful of rest, um, uh, mindful of, of, of everything to do with our bodies. It's much of a show thing as it is health, uh, making sure we're taking care of, making sure we rest. That's always been a good balance, but the excitement of just being able to tour again, do shows again, yeah. was just overwhelming because we didn't know we were going to be able to do that. And then on top of that, just slowly introducing new music to our audience, which I've never done. Like, it's scary to just introduce new music in general, <laughs> but to introduce that and then see people's reaction, like yeah. face to face, bad idea, why am I doing this? But it was amazing because you got to see people's first connection with the new songs. Yes. Like people singing them back after the second chorus and you're like, wow, like you're really vibing with this song. And it's, you know, being able to explain the message first up, uh, firsthand in person and, and why this story of the song is the way it is. And having a live rendition of the song, which for me is usually different to my tracks, um, I think it's been really helpful. I've never done you know, introducing new music like this before. And I, I think it's a really beautiful way to do it face to face. It's like, guys, look what I've been working on. Here's the yes. music. Here's the story behind it. Um, because usually it's just technology is doing the explanations. You're doing it over socials. And this is now real human, human um, interaction and connection with the song. So it's it's been beautiful. It's been overwhelming at points because, you know, a lot of things happen. Coachella happened, San Francisco happened, and then it was straight to Lane. And I was like, yeah, so here we are. Um, but I can't complain because it's been really beautiful. And it's, it's a huge leap from nothing for two years to here we are. Let's go, let's go. You, you say you're at their parents' place and it's not like you're, a, you know, a child, child there, but you, we're always our parents' children. So when you come from Coachella and you ha come from this tour and then your parents say that, can you take the bins out? Then I just stand in there with, I'm a star. No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> Ooh, there's nothing like that in this house. I'm cooking dinner tonight. There's nothing like that here. Um, I think the, the most exciting stuff for my parents was, was seeing... Uh, me work on a Angelique Kijo song yes. and her album and we're like, wow, everything else is like, okay, what is, what's Coachella? What is that? Yeah. But that one, <laughs> that one they were really excited about. And I think 
I really appreciate just coming back home and it just being normal times and, you know, we just talk to each other. That's a perspective that I think I'll always appreciate. And, and I love that my family is just really chill. Uh, yeah, I think also it helps keep a person feel grounded. And mm-hmm. if you've been on the go, 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 you need to replenish some way and somehow. And I think home is also that space. It's quite, it's quite nurturing. And also there's no pressure. You can just yeah. be. Exactly. You briefly mentioned there at the end of the kid show. That's, that's a Grammy Award winning uh, album that you were part of there. Casually. <laughs> like it ain't nothing but a thing. <laughs> just everything that that was that was huge um that's beautiful that's generational as well like my parents heard her my parents friends heard her and now i'm here listening to her music and working with her that's a huge feat for me that's something i'll keep within my mer- memory as a big win yeah 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 i think from what you've just described of what happened after covid and with all the touring with all the new offerings everything it's like when they say that's a feather to your hat. I think you have a big hat by now with many feathers. But this must be a pivotal point. You know, they say in life we get to have, you meet maybe five pivotal people in your life mm-hmm. and you experience at least five pivotal times in your life. Would you say this is also a pivotal point for 100%. you? I mean, the return to me was all the heart and soul, you know, after that was released, it was like, okay, let's go to the world. And then COVID was like, nah. And you go from that biggest high to, okay, I have no control of any of this. Um, and it really takes you on an inward journey. It's like if I wasn't doing music as a career, what would I have, been, what would I have done? Because this is my whole life. And it was a really important uh, inner journey. I mean, self-discovery has always been part of my music, but this inner journey where, you know, you question living without your purpose was quite deep. Um, and it revealed a lot of lot, lot of beautiful takes that will come out through the music. But um, this is us coming back and being like, no, this is my purpose. This is music. This is what I'll do regardless of whether I have shows or not. Um, and it's a really huge time in my life um, on just things that I never thought I would, you know, express that I'm expressing now that would be broken down later that I don't want to say in the podcast. <laughs> but um, just, you know, things that you're, you're really a part of your character that you kind of shy away from because you've been doing this for a while. And now we're showing the full spectrum of who Sampa Temple is through the next, you know, couple of, of, of projects or artworks. Um, and the only way that w- would have happened is if the pandemic happened happen to be honest yeah. and yeah it's really provided this pivotal inward journey that mm. um as we see the artist has just elevated itself in a different way through lane and so i'm really excited for that to be shown to everybody let's go a little bit back in time i remember i was actually checking just now earlier today that it was in 2016 that I found your name for the first time in our playlist that was a song called Mona Lisa at the time. Hey. And at the time you were like this, uh, the way that we understood it, it was like you were this uh, artist from Australia, originally from Zambia. But uh, by now, way of Botswana, by way of Botswana, <laughs> and we've kind of like mentioned these these different countries already. But so, what what's your story? You are you were born in Zambia, and, and then what? Born in Zambia, uh, moved to Botswana at age six, I'd say, and just raised between the two countries. Like every time we, you know, the parents are off work, uh, we'll find a way to go back to Zambia, see my cousins, see my 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 grandmas before they passed, and just still keep connected to where we're from, even though we we were raised in a different country for financial reasons. You know, it's it's not like we were like we're done with Zambia and we and we went. Um, and I think, you know, people relate to that story of, of just, you know, living or being raised outside of your ancestral home. It's it's what happens. Um, I think it just gets a bit diluted when you have to be based somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. and when there's careers involved and people wanting to attach. Yeah, yeah, now she's from here to the story. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, that's where it becomes unclear. Um, and I think for being based in Australia, I really wanted to make it apparent that the music that's being praised comes from this country that people wouldn't think it would come from. 
Uh, same with the visuals. People don't expect such high level, quote unquote, things to, to be coming from the continent. And that's definitely a stereotype that I want to break. So um, in saying I'm from Zambia, not because it's actual fact, it's also just reminding people that such stuff happens from the continent, from my country. And I just, you know, was afforded the opportunity and the privilege to be able to express that in a different country. Yeah, I was listening to you speak to an interviewer in one of the podcasts. And, you know, you were saying that when you went abroad to the US, when you went to the US for the first time, you had all these shattered illusions. And you realized that the people the way people saw you was a different way from what you thought, and probably different from how you saw yourself. And I'm sure that shaped your identity or how you negotiate identity. Coupled with that, coming from Zambia, and Botswana that would um, influence the way you see yourself? How do you negotiate issues of identity pertaining to you and your experience? I mean, that that experience was basically the birth of the Sampa Temple you see today. Uh, I think I had to be shaken out of, of my worldview or my little um, roof of being raised, you know, on the continent. I had to see more. I had to know the global conversation of Africa. I had to um, be shaken enough to pinpoint my identity for myself versus being comfortable um, at home. And once that happened, it was the journey of really being specific about what I identify as uh, and where my roots come from. Um, being raised in a different country then where I'm from already provides its own, you know, difficulties. But then going into the global scene and having to be one thing so that people can understand you more has always been a struggle because I just am not one thing. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say, that's difficult. I don't think any of us are. And to be, you know, to be pushed into a place where you have to identify yeah. as one thing, I think even birthed the well, I'm just going to make different lanes. That attitude and mentality of that's just something that's not possible and, and not what people would have to do. So I'm going to be this person who was born from here, raised from here, based here, does this music that is not one thing and you're just going to have to deal. And I mm -hmm. think that's just been the, the mentality throughout my art is I don't want you to pinpoint it to one thing because that's not why it was made. Um, yeah, and that was all birthed in that time and it's just followed through in the journey. I think the time that you that you, then you were in Australia, that was something you went there to study if I'm if I'm yeah. correct. Yeah. But at, at the time when you were kind of like on a come up there in Australia, it was a kind of interesting time also in Australia and hip hop. There was a lot of the indigenous, of course, they had already always been indigenous uh, artists. I think there was a kind of especially moment in time, which I'm sure continues now, but but it really was like happening in a different way that uh, that that it had been before, you know, AB original, all the all those different various different things. What do you think? Did that relate to your your come up? Mm, how should I say? Because I'm not trying to make a long question, but Australian hip hop before that, there was a little. It was a little bit like a like a beer rap. Like there were. It was a lot about <laughs> you know that type of like you know what I mean. And and, yeah. and then all of a sudden. And not all of it, but it was kind of like the image was a little bit like that. And then all of a sudden, it changed quite a lot. And that was also similar times when you were you were there, I suppose. 100%. Um, I, my career started in Australia when we were going through a black rena renaissance in, in, in hip hop music. Uh, previous to that, it was just one perspective by one type of people living in one part of Australia, which didn't look like everybody else. Um, and at that time, when you call Australia a multicultural country, you need to back that with facts. And so I think I was one of the people who wasn't really scared to, to say a lot of shit. <laughs> I wasn't. And I think the, my, my privilege in that was I was able to come home. Yeah. I was able to talk my shit. And if you don't like me, cool, I'll just go back home. Whereas a lot of people weren't afforded that privilege. And I recognized that very early and was like, okay, if that's my privilege, then let me do my part in, in this movement. You know, we're going to bring these stories to the to mainstream, to the forefront, because 
they are black people in Australia and they are black people in Australian music and that should be known globally. Um, and there were a couple, AB Original, like you've mentioned, Remy and Sensible J, myself, Enfa and, uh, you know, Immortal Technique, all these OGs who had started rumbling that. Um, and I, I guess it just took a crazy young girl from Africa to be like, me too. Um, and, you know, it got global attention. And I think once that started, everyone's fear was just like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Oh, this is the time? Okay, cool, let's go. And left, right, center projects were coming out where people were just saying what they felt um, and representing where they were from. And it was popping up from everywhere that the Australian media had no choice mm. but to talk about it. There was no choice. It was like we all had this... Um, I guess, mental, spiritual uh, agreement that we were going to do this. And from all sides, indigenous, African, islander, all tourist island, everybody was just like, yeah. And from there, it's just been, wow. Look at all the young black artists coming up. Like, we never thought that this would happen. And they're amazing too. They're not just sticking to one thing. It's not just hip hop. It's pop. Um, it's rock. Things that are considerably not black music, but are like across the range. And I think, you know, that, that, that time, that Renaissance time is what birthed all of this. Um, and I was glad to be a part of it um, and glad to speak my mind on the experiences I was having as an African artist in, in Australia, the struggles we were going through um, to get the exact same thing as our peers with the same amount of talent. And that did shape the music hundred percent. And I guess being back home, there will be a redirection in the music because I'm not in that same mind frame anymore. But yeah, that was a huge time. That was a huge, huge time. Yeah. I find it so interesting that, you know, like whenever we speak to you guys, to you artists on this particular series, we always ask people, so what got you into hip hop? What inspired this? And I heard that, you know, you started early age nine, you know, you, you saw someone heard Tupac changes. Yeah. Yes. And that moved you. And you thought, well, you know, this could be a possible form of expression. Yeah. This is what you say. How has that evolved over the years? Because now you've just described a movement, like what you described as an happening in Australia. It's like you really shook things. And that takes almost like an activist spirit, you know, so where does activism and rap collide? And, and does it sneak up on you? <laughs> two questions there yeah i mean even just down to what's on my phone that's tupac right yay <laughs> we went to his museum in la and it just mm. says poet prophet sinner saint artist activist mm. yeah. he was just able to encompass all of the, what he is heard someone who was talking but still rapping yes. and the music behind that was so calming because as a middle kid you know you're like Hey, can I tell you something? And no one's, everybody paying attention to the younger one or the older one. And you find yourself in a space where you feel you can't express yourself. So my avenue was straight up notebooks. It's like, okay, if you can't hear me, let me just write something down and I'll bring that back to you. And that became my form of communication. If I couldn't express myself, I just write it down. And here you have someone who's a poet, who's able to express everything that he's feeling, including his emotions and do it well through music. So when I heard that as a kid, I was like, wow, I want to be able to do that. Because at this current moment, I can't express myself fully. I want to be able to do it like that with music. And from then on, it's just been a constant journey of how to express myself the best through music and seeing that people actually connect to that through their lives and how they're healing and how they're growing. And I think that has evolved to, to, to this, this moment where you get to see that very passionate uh, it's my home. We were always encouraged to express ourselves. You know, there's something happening in Zambia. What do you think about that? It's like, I'm 10, dad. I don't know what I think about that. <laughs> well, express yourself because your voice means something. And I think if you raise kids in that way, then they're always ready to give their two cents on a situation and, and, and express how it makes them feel. You know, we were encouraged to have emotional intelligence well early in our in our in our childhood and that has just carried itself throughout our lives and through music you found that music could be your language of emotion 100% so when you're in a situation where you understand that people who look like you are in an unfair 
uh, tipping scale where we're not allowed to afford the same privileges other people, then you're just expressing what you feel about it. Not thinking that it will start any movement or anything. It's just this is happening. This is happening to me and people who look like me. Why? As humans, why? Let's answer that question. Um, and that stems into what we know as activism in its smallest form. It's just like we're all having a human experience. Why is mine different to you? And why is mine worse? And I think from then on, like-minded people with the same mentality would connect as well and, and tell their struggles of where they live. And that's the beauty of, of, of being in these different places. Go to the States. Okay, how is your experience here? How's your living experience here? Go to London. How's your living experience? Go to Australia. How's your living? And these conversations is what stems up um, this, this type of music. And I don't think we expected it to be a movement, but it's so... <laughs> you know, passionate. And so it's felt throughout each of us that it's, it's, it grows into something that changes the course of, of music in a country. And that's what that was. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. One, one part of like, when we're talking about the movement, there's also the, uh, the aspect is that you don't, you don't come alone. Like when you go and, and, and perform, You have a, f a full band. You've got, you know, backup singers. The, the whole like it's 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 quite a it's a production. But it's it's really I mean we haven't really had the opportunity to see you live one day for sure that will happen. But but it looks really impressive. Is that an important thing to you? Was was there ever like an like a chance when you have a North American tour that you would just take a you know like a, your MP3s and 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 you know, memory stick to give them to a sound man and go and perform by yourself. I mean, I love that. I still love that. And that's still a huge part of hip hop music, you know, it's the turntables and the DJ desk. And I, 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 um, I appreciate that, but I also understand that my culture provides a, a, a platform where I can express music in different ways. I was just, I was just born around live music. So I, I can't just limit it to that. Like it, the translation has to continue uh, in a broad way. And even in saying that, I just don't believe, you know, the music making process ends in the studio. That still continues into the live. Like we're still bringing you into the story. And that for me, the best way to do that is through a band of the best way to tell you that story and, and bring you into the emotions that surrounded that story. And, Let you hear the harmonies the way I heard them when I wrote them. You know, I can't rap and, and, and do it at the same time. So here are BVs to bring you into that space. I have to bring you into the world for you to understand um, the music. And I, I guess that's just how I see it. Um, not that I'd never do a DJ set or not that I'd never do a three piece, but I've just found that this is the best way for me to tell the full story when yeah, it, it just doesn't end in the studio. Like, yeah. you know. It, it brings in, it presences, if there's such a word, the music differently. It brings in as a, as a presence strongly. 100%. Yeah. So and just bring I, your family I, along is, is dope. <laughs> 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 just being able to do that now is, is dope. So, yeah. yeah. But that's also an important thing, right? 100%. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, this pursuit was made. It's like, okay, if I'm able to do this as the first in my family, it means... Wanji can walk through this easily means, you know, artists in Zambia where we've never been afforded an opportunity to do this on an international scale can be like, oh, we can actually do that. I mean, an opportunity was granted to me and this, this is just the paid forward sort of mentality. So, yeah. Uh, your your sister has was also been uh, part of is part of the the crew that travels with you and sing, sings on the background. She's now also uh, having a, is it a, a single EP album? Yeah, EP. Yeah, EP. She's about yeah. To leave this band now, now, and be like, I got my own stuff. <laughs> still have it for now. <laughs> Good for her. Good yeah. for her. Now, you spoke about self-discovery earlier on and um, how the COVID period afforded all of us actually time to reflect and uh, introspect and do more self-discovery. How has your journey in hip hop as a black woman? I know this is always going to come up. We're always going to speak on gender <laughs> representation and how you, you, you maintain the feminine energy 
your energy in the space and 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 what keeps that going i i i referred to them energy video you know and it blew my mind because it is the epitome of the divine feminine to me you epitomize that how oh, do you wow. nurture that i mean that's a that's a very important question to the next phase of of my music i think you know being in the genre of hip hop you're always expected to be this hard rap chick or you're on the other side of the uh, the the spectrum and for me it was just i could be all of this like i could be can rap hard for you be an intellectual twerk and then you know go about my business like why can't i be all um and you know i've really tried to balance and maintain that through my expression but understanding also that i can't let fear and the uh, perception of me as an african woman uh, deter the way i express and for a long time i've always been like let's stay away from you know yeah we're going to encourage the balancing of feminine and masculine energy but you're not going to find me in a, a gold swimsuit in the cave <laughs> trying to do po and lo and behold here we are with lane because to get expressed that in my way through my art and my healing to where i'm most comfortable within and that's just been a growing now where it's just I, I will express this in, in in its totality but it's always been a thing for me to be able to balance both especially in a genre that is very masculine very male dominated yeah. being able to step in i think a good example is Lauren Hill man being able to step into this in my feminine form and still be better than the guys <laughs> but still maintain who i am like i don't have to try and a piece to the guys or try and a piece to the women either i could still just be me um and i think she was the best example of that for me and i've, I've very much tried to maintain that through my journey yeah it's always keeps on coming up i'm i'm aging hip hop head and i remember the time when there was a thing like african hip hop uh, that was a very interesting and fascinating and they, and it covered like various different parts of the continent and there was this kind of like uh, there were some platforms where where you could kind of like follow it even online and, and it was that type of thing do you think that now of course things are very different and there's there's so much there's so many different artists from so many different places that nobody can nobody can know everything about it or or even <laughs> the big part of it everybody just knows whatever they know about it but do you think that is that some kind of like a like an umbrella that you feel like you fall under or or is it some, is it necessary or or how do you feel about that I feel like it's very necessary. I wish those times would come back actually. I think um with the emergence of Afrobeat it's been like oh dope this is African music and it's kind of what a, a blanket term on a very diverse continent um and that's kind of diluted the style that I that I do because I don't do Afrobeat. I don't do African music per se but a mixture of a lot of different things um But I wish those times would come back because it's very dope to specif- uh, specify where music is coming from because there's an, a culture involved in that. And if you put a whole blanket term on it, then it becomes very difficult uh, for people to express themselves fully from where they're from without being pushed into another box. So I'm never one to be like this is specifically me, but I'm also not one to be like you fall under this blanket term. I, I it's I yeah. And world music has been that conversation with Angelique winning and 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 you know Wizkid and so on and just even recently Billboard put energy under world music and I was like what is what is that like, what, what is the, the whole world music but you know Latin music can be Latin music and 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 you know we we would just appreciate um for the broadness of the co- uh, continent to be highlighted as well as us knowing that it's african music there's so many different genres in the continent alone there's no way you can just broaden that into one term um but for hip hop specifically i definitely wish the there was uh, the resurgence of of calling something african hip hop and 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 being specific with where it is in africa i wish that you know a renaissance of that can happen definitely it sounds to me also that that like the context around the music like you were talking about earlier how you were introducing the music to new music to to the audience for the first time before they had heard it on a, from the record or or or, or so and and um 
and how you can explain and you can contextualize this is yes. what the song is about and all that that's an important that's an important part it's but by the sound of it it's important um thing to you like putting thing putting your music and art into context 100 i mean it's not a thing of i'm going to explain you why i'm doing something but it's always beautiful to be like yo I'm, i mean i'm a storyteller at the end of the day i love being able to bring you in a world and telling you the story about that world. And I think part of that is also contextualizing, uh, but a healthy balance of it where you allow people to take their own meaning and their own, um, their own takeaway from the art. But yeah, it definitely falls into the storytelling side of me where I, I love to talk about the music and why we got where we got. Um, yeah. And that's just all part of the, the full journey. And if that helps someone, then that's dope. Yeah. Recently, there's been a lot of talk here in Scandinavia. We are based in Helsinki currently. Well, we've been based here for some time now. <laughs> And currently, there's this conversation about awakening the divine feminine, or not just even divine feminine, but just the feminine energy in spaces. So like, I've been working with these academics, people from academia, they're also speaking about, you know, this soft power and feminine energy and balancing things out. And I was wondering, also from your experience as a girl or woman child who grew up on the continent, traveled the world, experienced herself in the diaspora, and then went back home and is still always multilocal. How do you nourish your, your feminine power and your energy? And how do you identify? Loaded question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, there's because of the uh being able to step outside of home you know i always have this conversation with my mom there's a modern african woman and a traditional african woman i am not the latter <laughs> <laughs> and being able to travel um informs new ways of life or new information that you could always take back and i guess add to the culture you know versus uh uh forget There's so many beautiful things in traditional African culture that we carry to this day that has also informed the world. Um, but there are also so many things that we can elevate, you know, not only in Africa, but across the world about women and, and their um, input into society and the world. Um, we see where society is now, where the world is now, where earth is now, um, and how that deterioration is because of the lack of balance of, 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 of feminine energy and Feminine energy isn't just something towards women. Yeah. It's something that we can all have. And I think that information is, is very well needed for other people as well. This is a balance of both is what we're talking about. We're not just talking about women. Mm -hmm. um, and so th these are conversations that I've, I, I could only be privileged to have outside of my home. It's like, okay, well, you want to balance your masculine and feminine energy. This is the way you do it. That's conversations I could never have at home. And and I think that growth, I'm able to come back and bring that knowledge with me and then help women like me to identify parts of our, our, our lives that we, we'd like to add this information to. So I don't think I've answered the question. No, you <laughs> have. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely an ongoing journey. Um, and just realizing that there's more information that's come about that the modern African woman takes on and, and, and is very healing for us. Very, very healing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I love also the subject of healing because, again, we are speaking on healing the feminine and decolonizing the feminine. I spoke to somebody yesterday who is one of the leading feminist or black feminist thought leaders in, in this here part. And I was saying to her that, you know, like whenever I go to these uh, seminars where she's talking about decolonizing the mind, decolonizing femininity, I always wonder how does this apply to everyday living? And also, is it only exclusive to academia? And she said to me, do you know what? The hip hop space is one of the biggest grounds for decolonizing the mind and decolonizing the feminine. What do you think of that? I mean, hip hop, I think people always forget that hip hop was the birthplace of speaking your mind. It was, hey, this is what's happening in our neighborhoods. This is what's happening politically. We're going to speak on that. Like that is that movement's birth. So it's a very important tool when it comes to um, certain subjects to be able to 
to be able to educate, basically. And when used the wrong way, obviously it lands on the other um, spectrum. But yeah, I, did, <laughs> I didn't understand the question. <laughs> space, uh, hip-hop as an effective space. To, you, asked, you, you answered the question because it was about hip-hop being a space that is conducive for decolonizing the mind and decolonizing the feminine, decolonizing everything. I think we are also a people of music, you know, we are people who carry information within music and to have a space like hip hop where you're able to educate and entertain, that's a very powerful tool. Um, and it's definitely, I think, slowly changing where we are allowing feminine energy into hip hop. It's, it's a very hectic masculine space. So, mm. you know, if you bring in feminine energy, it's always looked at as a threat, but it shouldn't be. Like, as we said, feminine energy isn't just about being woman specific. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's about balancing the energy within yourself uh, and all aspects of that. Mm-hmm. And I think the more we are open to um, such mentality, we'd be able to use hip hop as a healing tool. And hopefully we get to that, 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 um, that space. In, in a mainstream culture, hip hop culture, mainstream, sort of like a rap industry type of thing, There seems to be um, there seems to be this idea that that women who are in the hip hop who 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 make rap music there's like a pressure for them to be usually one kind this kind of like hypersexuality the the whole of that thing that they that they do in 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 United States especially in in the mainstream of course there's all kinds of artists there is that a pressure that uh, that do you, have you experienced that pressure do they come and tell you that oh if you do this then you can triple your sales or whatever like is that is that a thing that that you find we we've I've, i've been blessed to have a team where we'd never allow such pressures into our space for me it's always been a oh man i don't fit into that mm. sort of thing versus now i have to do that because i just i've just been always this kid or person who I can't do anything that feels outside of myself even when I try it looks wild <laughs> even when I try my my peoples will be like yeah no don't do that um so for me I guess earlier on in my career it was more so of a disappointment and realization that because I don't fit in that space probably my music wouldn't be more heard than someone who does or because I can't do that and it was just like a <sighs> guess it's going to have to take longer sort of situation versus feeling pressure to do that. But that pressure is very real. Um, and it's a very, it's, it's very sad. You know, I think men in hip hop are allowed to, to, to facilitate their whole range. Whereas women in hip hop are only allowed to um, express one facet of, of themselves, which is really unfair because there's so much, so much range in which we could express themselves. Um, But yeah, to answer your question, it's never been a pressure to do that. Like I said, with Lane and everything, I allowed myself to take my time to define my own femininity. I wasn't going to let anyone else define that. And it happened at the correct time. It happened with the correct healing. Um, So I allowed myself to do that myself and express it uh, in the way I wanted my art to come about. But there's definitely that pressure and it's very, very real. Yeah, I, I, just changing the the the, the lane a little bit. The uh, so you're going now back to Australia, which is place where you spent a significant amount of time, and it's a p- important part of your career as well. And and you're going to the Sydney Opera House, no less. I mean, that's really amazing. How is that? How how do you feel? Is are you is is that a place where you think that you're gonna still be based once more or is that just a chapter in your book that is already now like written or you don't know or or how do you relate to that yeah uh, it has been written <laughs> i think you know the beautiful purpose in why i went to australia um has been fulfilled you know the rena- renaissance and being part of that and and knowing that you know my privilege would add to that whole explosion has been fulfilled and and i'm seeing the flowers of that a lot of people don't get to see i'm, I'm able to, we have genesis Owusu, we have Kaib, we have so many young black artists that are just going international um and are able to express themselves without worrying about all the stuff we had to worry about when that renaissance was happening so i very much feel like my purpose has been fulfilled there and this is just 
you know, a welcome back, a celebration of those times. <laughs> and then, you know, it will be continuing on into the world, knowing that, you know, I fulfilled, you know, my purpose in Australia. So, yeah, this one is, is a homecoming. Mm. Um, seeing all my peoples and saying goodbye correctly because it was kind <laughs> of uh, it's really quick during the pandemic. Um, and then just, you know, continue on with my with my life. And where will that be, may I ask, since you are so multi-local? <laughs> <laughs> that one is a good question. I know three to five months of, of, of my time during the year will be spent in Zambia to replenish, to redirect, to create. And then from there, we'll take it to the world and, and tour and work on it. Um, not yet sure where the other half of that will be spent, but um, definitely three to five months will be as a Zambia situation. And, and how do your followers, your supporters, let's use the word supporters, how do they relate to you when you come back home, when you came back home to Zambia after having traveled and having all these connections to all these different countries? How do they relate to you? Right. I think for Australians, it was like, oh, she's gone for real. <laughs> she's not coming back. But um, it was always part of the story. It was I was always very adamant of, of letting people know I was Zambian and I think, you know, in expressing again, contextualizing why I am where I am. Hey, guys, I was born in this country and I've never gotten to be somebody great in my own country. That's that's wild to hey, me. Right? And I need to I need to um, I'm, I'm come face to face with. So I got to go. <laughs> that's just part of the, the journey. And, and, you know, they came to a point where they accepted it and then coming home and, and finally answering those, why don't you perform in Zambia questions? And why are you never in your home questions? We're, we're filled. I got to be home for two years straight. Uh, connect with young artists from Zambia. Eat home food. Woo! Eat home food. And just like be with Before it was just food. Now it's oh like home food. food. <laughs> <laughs> and just be within my country with my people and not having that be any part of the doubt and fear of who I am and where I'm from, that that's, that hole is filled because of being home. Um, and I think they understand. They understand that was part of the journey. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've come full circle, but it's so early. You've got so far to still go and so much to still do. Maybe you have many circles. You don't just have one. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I hope so. I hope there's more. There has to be because life is progressive that way. But it does seem and when I see what's been happening and when we hear what you've been doing recently and before, it's been a long, illustrious and not easy career. But here you are. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Well done, you. It's only the beginning. I know, right? Many years in five years is so much. How many lives is that? <laughs> yeah, you said you're not just one thing. Maybe you don't just have one lifetime in this lifetime. Maybe, yeah? maybe. Now you have the new song out with Denzel Curry. It's called The Lane. Uh, lane or The Lane? Lane, but lane. I like The Lane. <laughs> <laughs> there, always does something. Yeah. <laughs> the sense of occasion. Um, uh, is that part of a uh, next upcoming project, or is it some kind of standalone thing? What, what do you? What are you? Uh, how much are you able to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not able to say a lot. I think it's, it's it's a good transition into the new music, like Energy was. You know, we had the return, then we had Energy out of nowhere. I, I mean, we had BB9, then we had Energy, then we had the return, and just a good transition into that um uh not to say that that's the only music style that will be showed in the new music but i, sh I just think it's good to let people know that um we're about to show the full range of who Samba is um that also will expand the music so it's not just what you've heard and visually that's also expanded and i think it was the best song to relay those three those three points um can't really say if it's on the next project yet but it was the best song uh to relay those three points and just also, you know, being at a point in my life where I'm like, I'm going to be free enough. I call it the year of authenticity, yeah, free authenticity. and uh, transparent enough to show all aspects of Samba. Um, <laughs> and I think that, that, that did the job for, for me. 
and then we'll, we'll move on to what's next. <laughs> Year of authenticity. Do you feel like, like you've that. been holding back up till now or, or is, is it just that you're going even extra gear? I think both. I, we've we've had this new music for a bit, for a while. It's been new for a while. It's been new for a while. <laughs> and we're just so ready to um to show the elevation. But also, you know, during the pandemic, it was like, okay, what have you not done? What haven't you challenged yourself to do? And the results of that are going to show. So it's it's both. Wow. So yesterday we were speaking to our 10-year-old son and we we're saying we're going to be talking to Sampa the Great. And he's like, Sampa the Great says, yeah, that's her name. And he says, it's a she. And, and I'm like, like yes. <laughs> Now names in, in, in my understanding are programmatic. You know, there's a program encoded in the name we choose and the names we are given. Tell me about your choice of name and how you have traveled, because it's a journey. The Sampa the Great of the original beginning and Sampa the Great of this moment are different because you've evolved. But that's the beautiful um, nature of that name. Uh, the greatest to be the greatest version of, of yourself. Yeah. That is always a growing thing. Sometimes you down sometimes it comes up but the process will be with me throughout my career and the goal is to be the greatest version of myself and hence Sampa the great um so that will just be um something I relate to throughout my career because that's something that I, I will always want to be the greatest version of myself mm -hmm. and so when that thought process came about that name stuck I was like yeah I mean I wanted to use Tembo you know Sampa <laughs> Tembo is, is really cool but um I think, you know, for me, it was always to strive to be the greatest version of myself and, and to keep that as a young note to me as an artist, you know, never feel like you have to go there. Just be the greatest version of yourself. Just strive to, to be you and yeah. consistently grow that until you get to the greatest version of yourself. Yeah. I will tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can put the great beside his name too. It's not specific to me. <laughs> I think this is this has been really great. I mean, like it doesn't escape <laughs> us at what point in your life we are talking to you. This is like where you are coming like last month and the next month and everything is just, it, it, I'm sure it's a lot, but it's really very grateful that you had time to talk to us and yeah. it's been really nice. Thanks for fitting us in. Of course. Thank you so much for being part of the journey still and, yes. and supporting and showing love that I really appreciate it. No, thank you. We'll continue. We will continue to do this and more power and best foot forward. And I can't wait to hear what happens next. Thank yes. you. Yes. Thank okay. you. <laughs> This has been Planet Earth, Planet Rap Production, PEPR, the virtual world tour conversation series. We are powered by rapstation.com and RSTV app, which you can find and download from www.rstvapp.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram as at PEPR Radio.